Hi, and welcome to the Red Tunic Podcast, a podcast where I look to rediscover what makes gaming fun and enjoyable by having positive conversations with those related to the industry. My name is Link, and today I'm joined by Frederick Strum, developer of Combustion, being published by 3D Realms. Hi, Fred. How are you doing today? Hello. I'm doing great. Well, that's great to hear. And Fred, thank you so much for making time to talk with me to like be on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Well, no, thank you. It's a great opportunity to be here. So, Fred, before we get started, if you don't mind, would could you, you know, tell me and whoever's listening a little bit about yourself so we kind of know who you are? Yeah, for sure. I'm uh, Fredrik Strum, as I said, a game developer from Norway, um, born 1991, currently working on a 90s-inspired uh, game called Combustion, which as you said, is published by 3D Realms. Um, 32 years old, uh, living in Oslo, uh, also Norway, and uh, yeah, happy to be here. Awesome, and you know, um, I, I, I've saw, I've seen your game. I've seen Combustion, I should say, not your game, um, to be specific for everyone. But I've seen Combustion. I remember seeing it. Um, I believe probably at one of like the realms deep kind of announcement things and i thought when i first saw, i thought it was um absolutely kind of wild uh i know i use that term a lot uh so i'll be a little more explicit on who why um uh, i i found it kind of wild because like for me i don't know the actually i do know the appeal but i don't know the the general broad broad appeal about why i always seem to enjoy uh, games that have like an anthropomorphic I hate that word um uh, uh character uh I know why it's it's redwall redwall is the reason but uh, yeah. um I I think it's well because uh I always love seeing those kind of uh like character uh setups for for games and I I just love that it's kind of like the the uh, PlayStation 1 kind of graphics and like the you know the the inspiration or the the, the intention, I should say, that it's kind of like a, a, it looks like from some of the stuff I've seen, like a Metal Gear kind of game. So I just want to say, I think, I think it looks wild and I'm, I'm looking forward to it when it, when it comes out, because, you know, um, it checks off a lot of interesting boxes for me and I'm, I'm looking forward to playing it. And I know, you know, there's probably lots of other people that are in the same boat as me. <laughs> Oh, cool. Uh, you're just listing off uh, inspirations for, for the game. Yeah, like, um, it, it, I think the reason why uh, conversion is so wild as you describe it is that there is really an amalgamation of uh, all the sort of things that I like. And, you know, I have a, I have a real like for, you know, the anthropomorphic uh, characters and designs and everything. Um, and there is, like, it's a good example you mentioned like Redwall because uh, stuff stories like that you know the anthropomorphic animals have, that have like a slightly um, more serious or even darker edge to it is uh, that sort of thing is a huge uh, and very niche uh, inspiration of mine. It's like uh, the combustion uh, I think is very atypical in terms of uh, the anthropomorphic design style like. Uh, the uh, the characters definitely lean closer to their animal counterparts more than uh, their like in terms of the human to animal ratio, <laughs> I guess. Uh, 
and yeah, like uh, it's definitely also very much PlayStation. Like I was born nineteen ninety one. Uh, grew up in a very prolific era of uh, gaming. It was like the advent of not just three uh, D gaming, but that's also when we you go now got the huger storage capacities with the CDs. Like this is. Uh, I had played games prior to the PlayStation, but the, to me, this era is very prolific in terms of just what people were suddenly enabled to do with the, the new technology, the new storage and everything. And uh, also that this era came without uh, without standards, like a lot of the principles of 2D uh, couldn't strictly be translated to 3D easily. And by that, I mean, uh, anything like camera movement, like that's what God, which how long it took before we actually got to decent uh, platformers. Uh, that wasn't until like Mario 64. Um, and uh, yeah, my, I have sort of have a deep admiration of that era, especially the, how experimental it was. I think a lot of the iconic games of that era really is something that we only now with uh, indie gaming are starting to see again uh, properly because if you look at the games in isolation and you sort of consider the games that came before it like Final Fantasy 7 is very hog wild settings wise and visuals wise in terms of when you compare it to the game that came previously and the sort of things that it tried to do and it's like it's also, you know, the first console where horror games uh, finally became a thing. Like, it's very difficult to imagine, or actually it's very easy to imagine uh, those sort of games not being made in the AAA when you look at what happened to PT. And uh, the only, I think, a big reason why we're seeing Resident Evil games getting made, like the recent Resident Evil 4 remake, is because they sort of proved themselves of that era. But at the era, they would were, you know, very much uh, experimental. And that's sort of uh, a thing that I want to to capture with with my game because, uh, well, <laughs> combustion feels uh, wrong to call it uh, just my game. Now it started as my game, but now there's a lot more people involved. We, we kind of call uh, people a team, uh, their aunts, their aunts and uncles uh, for for the game. If I if I'm the father, they're like the aunts and uncles, and some are the nephews of of conversion. But that's basically how it kind of started. Um, I recently uh, had a, a Steam uh, update on the inspirations of uh, conversion. I also went into the development of conversion, and you know. It starts out by just showing the the earliest of uh, 3D low poly models that that I made, which were anthropomorphic characters. But you'll see there if you check out, let's check that out, that they were all uh, very medieval fantasy inspired. And yeah, going back to what you said, uh, Redwall, you'll see a rabbit in particular uh, wearing sort of uh, abbey robes. <laughs> So I'm I'm happy that 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 is also the case only because um you know Redwall is weirdly one of those things that a lot of people have known about or have been fans of for for like different reasons and 
it's more prolific than most people realize. So I'm always happy to hear where else it kind of like where its influences slip in or seep into, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's, it's like um, to, to add the one that goes even a shade darker stuff like uh, Water Shift Down or Plague Dogs. Uh, there, there's a to varying degrees, but those those are call it fascinating to to me because they're not like casual watches or readings, uh, those kinds of story. But I have a sort of fascination for them because you know the the anthropomorphic character thing is you know they're they're very nice in the way you can exaggerate them. And one thing we see done a lot with them is you know acting very cutely or comedically and thing, things like that but it's also that the, i think the one of the reasons why for instance like watching uh, those old animated adaptations of uh, plague dogs and watership down and uh, things like that is uh, the fact that they they are so animal uh, like makes them extremely empathetic uh, you really care. You really feel bad for them. You absolutely feel bad for them, uh, but that also helps uh, helps that sort of uh, feeling. And I think that's a thing we don't see quite enough of. I'm not. I'm not going to give the impression that it's all doom and gloom in combustion, but there there are uh, darker elements in the game. The, the ultimate story, I think, in combustion, much like it is in, uh, say, your your odd world or Final Fantasy VII's or things of that nature, which have like the the, the aesthetic the game has, the sort of diesel punk uh, aesthetic, um, which I can elaborate a little on later, um, is that things are very dark, it's very polluted, it's very industrial. You don't see like a lot of, don't see much of nature, if anything at all. But like in spite of all the dark, uh, darker things we see in, uh, combustion and in those games there are like good people there are like good things there are like reasons to to fight on and live for something i think that's really also tying into those kinds of stories because well i'm not going to spoil how how they end but there there are like uh, silver silver linings and uh, messages you you get out of them that stick with you and, you know, I think that that's great to know that there will be those kind of like um, intentional messages or what have you that people can look out for. And, you know, I, I completely understand and respect not wanting to, to spoil it because obviously you want people to, to play the game and enjoy it and like discover and uncover uh, on their own. Right. Yeah, cor uh, correct. Um, it's also an exciting time in the development for right now. Uh because having gotten a lot more people on board in the, the project, it's been very interesting. Like it's all very much based around uh, my vision of what I want the game to be. It's just very been very rewarding uh, having more people to work with and play off with uh, the story elements of the game. And uh, yeah, I, I, I have really, really, there's a really interesting ideas I want to put in there. And what's been really great is having other people to talk with that with, to order to 
how is the best way of getting that onto the screen and the, in the playable way. Yeah, and you know, I can definitely understand that as well, because, you know, uh, being able to translate, you know, everyone can have ideas, but it's, you know, uh, sometimes you come to your own limitations on what you can actually translate out or what you're actually capable of, um, of, I'm, so, I'm struggling for the word, uh, you, you're capable of actually actioning, um, and then other people can come along and like, just help out and you know put a new perspective on how to make that vision come to life right yeah exactly and particularly that mentioned vision because i really like uh, visual storytelling very like a lot of games have opened me up to a sort of less is more approach when it comes to say uh, dialogue i'll give a, a game reference and a night in the woods, uh, I believe it's called. Uh, play through, play through that, and it's like characters have just about like a they have a speech bubble, and it's like one sentence at most at the at the time, just about, and it kind of causes this very naturalistic type of uh, dialogue flow. And and you know, I I love a, a good and wordy story and everything. I really like that. I just don't think that's my strong suit in terms of telling. I really want uh, to to the, be like uh, have a less is more approach in terms of uh, how to convey these ideas and back that up with the visuals. Because it's been really great to like talk to people uh, about these ideas that I have and how best to 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 showcase them. Uh, like even just uh, showing uh, symbology of things. Uh, the writing of things has been a great help. Yeah, and you know, I I can also definitely understand that. Like I've, uh, I like I I'm sure like many others have flirted with the idea of like trying to write stuff, and you always kind of hit a roadblock, and you know maybe not exactly the same as you, but in a similar sense, you know, trying to um, trying to write interactions with words and such can always be uh hard because like you have to uh not only do you have to have like a fully separate character that has its own agency has its own actions and everything but now they have to have like an actual voice right and mm -hmm. sometimes it's easier for them to to express themselves through less words but still have like the voice as that as that entity as opposed to an entity plus 50 lines of text, right? Yeah, that, that, it's interesting that you say that because that's why there's a library of just animations. You see a bit of it in the, the trailer that you saw in the Realm's Deep, like there's uh, the main character, Calico, sort of looks up at another character who's like watching up at the stars in the sky. And he is talking to the character, but there's a lot more going on just uh it, there's what's being said but there's also like the the actions of the characters how they're reacting like uh and the camera work as as well uh but it's 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 been a uh, crazy interesting time like uh i remember a bit back in development when i was uh designing the initial uh dialogue system and uh got it to work you know Got the text boxes uh, working and everything. I even devised like a, 
I thought it was a smart system. So you ensure that the, the text box was always uh, on screen and there was a limit of how much could be said and it would factor in like the name of the character that could actually be updated because there's a funny thing where you don't know the name of character until the character says its name and you have like four different choices and you can make a dialogue trees and blah 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 and then sort of when that was done came the point that okay what what is this character going to say what what are, <laughs> what are going to be your options to 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 say something to this uh, character and, and you you if you work with characters for a long time as well you sort of get uh, attached to them in different ways and uh, it's, it's sort of uh, interesting like uh, going back a bit to the darker theming and everything like uh, like I really sunk my teeth into the main character of Calico and it uh, almost feels bad some of the things that uh, he's going to be you know ultimately put uh, put through but like I know I know it's going to be worth it for for the story you know <laughs> Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I completely understand where you're going with that. Now, Fred, I don't want to change the subject too much, but on the topic of combustion and uh, game making in general, I guess yeah. I could say, uh, can you can you share how it is you got into developing and making games and what kind of led to the point of making combustion? Yeah, that's uh, definitely. Uh, this is going to also date me horribly uh, with my age, uh, because uh, the my initial starting point, like I had played, uh, I was lucky enough uh, to have an older brother and a father who played video games. That's why uh, here in my apartment there is actually a big shelf that has like uh, consoles uh, and machines that are way older than me. Like uh, uh, I have like a Commodore here, uh, old Nintendo, Super Nintendo, uh, Vectrex, uh, stuff stuff like that, a lot of European stuff. Uh, but what actually started, like I initially started playing those games, but I also got access to the internet at a relative early age. So sometime in the late, uh, late 90s, I think it was, uh, got online and got to this uh, site called uh, Newgrounds eventually. There were a lot of different sites out there at the time, uh, but the, this was like the era of going online and playing Flash games. That was really my start to, to that, because Flash games were very different from, you know, the commercial games that you saw in stores. Uh, definitely featured a lot of <laughs> unfiltered uh, and uncensored uh, content, and there was no, like, uh, quality assurance or or anything, but it was like every sort of flash games that you played on uh, Newgrounds, which was a uh, sort of um, I don't know if you're familiar with the site. Well, Fred, I'm I'm 35, um, so yes. Okay. <laughs> okay, then I'm talking to like-minded. Well, uh, for those of you who don't know, that is like a portal for. Especially like YouTube, but for Flash animations and uh, games in general, that it's a portal where you upload things. Very innovative uh, for its time. But what it really showed me is basically that uh, you know it's like uh, ev everybody can uh, everybody can make a game. Uh, that was something of an uh, of an eye opener for for me. It started with uh, me just uh, getting some 
budget uh, Flash software. Couldn't afford like the actual Adobe Flash software, so that's some uh, cheap sort of uh, knockoff. As I remember it cost Adobe Flash cost like five hundred, and the one I ordered uh, cost like fifty. Uh, of course, everybody back in those days were probably pirating it, but I didn't know what piracy was at that point even. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so it started with me making some uh, some animations, uh, and then eventually I just was uh, interested in okay, so how do you make a flash game? And there were even, you know, interactive flash tutorials on how to make uh, flash games, which ooh, to me is very forward thinking, considering that. In my line of work, I've actually been in like e-learning uh, software programs and everything. And the, even in like uh, this year, 2023, they're not that uh, far ahead in terms of just click here, click there, user interaction. So great resource at the time, especially when it's like early 2000s. It's like crazy to consider. And, uh, you know, it it starts out uh, at the time. I also was uh, very much into uh, starting to get into point-and-click games, of all things. Uh, the old Sierra and LucasArts games in particular, because they had the real... And those definitely still have that, the real sort of uh, production value and... Uh, We'll go, maybe go into this a little later, but the, a sort of world immersion that I'm very much about. They were very, very immersive because they have like full artwork, full uh, voice work. They had like uh, taking full, taking the best advantage uh, in the early age and the early age of uh, CD-ROM technology. But uh, so I do that, and you know, uh, still very young at the time. So what I'm essentially making at the time is crude point-and-click adventure games, but they're, uh, I say crude technically, I didn't like <laughs> do, do, do the things the other people did. Uh, and, and, you'll, and you'll see that with the the one sort of uh, series of uh, games uh, I made at the time called uh, Automaton. It's, uh, if you go check that out, uh, which I don't recommend you do because I'm embarrassed of my older stuff, but uh, they definitely try to be sort of a steampunk uh, sort of, uh, it's, it was very inspired by a game called uh, Summerost, uh, made by the same people who eventually make uh, Machinarium, I think it's called. Um, but yeah. Uh, but my, with my limited experience at the time, uh, both in graphics and programming, they were, you know, semi-nice looking uh, interactive DVD menus in terms of uh, coding. But it, it still was a nice, very nice start, starting point. Uh, people seemed to like it. It, like, um, got on the front page of uh, Newgrounds, uh, I think, like the second game did, and some of the others. and. Uh, I think once I got like a sponsorship or two, uh, which basically you put in a sort of ad inside the Flash game directing to to one of the, the Flash sites uh, at the time, which are all probably long gone by now. Uh, I think that's really when I, I had a really big interest in it because, you know, I, I liked games at the time, but that's also when there was a proof that, oh, there's actually 
some uh, some degree of money uh, in this, uh, which was you know a validation like uh, to myself and parents to like oh, I can I can like do the thing that I want and actually live off it potentially. <laughs> And and that's sort of interesting because the landscape has definitely changed since then. But you know, it's definitely become better for the creators. There's always there's always challenges and everything. Like you're you're looking at things that are happening not necessarily only in say video game development, but you look at the creators in general. Uh, like back in those days, like before there was a YouTube, like the idea of being a content creator and living off of that was unheard of. Now, now that's possible, and definitely we've seen a rise in in the game uh, in the games and uh, the middle market, as I like to call it. And uh, yeah, in a lot of ways, it's like uh, to me, there are sentiments out there of things being better than or worse now or vice versa i like uh, like to think that uh, there's definitely merit uh, to things of the past but i'm very glad uh, where i am right now in the in the industry and uh, basically what happens is after making some flash games and everything the decision uh, or the decision i make is you know Get into get into games development, okay? Uh, how do you do that? And it's like, okay, what 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 are games? There, it's an interactive uh, audiovisual medium, okay? Um, early after you know um, high school, uh, I guess it's like the the equivalent is basically getting myself into uh, as much sort of media background uh, type stuff as I can before uh, going into sort of university studies in uh, computer graphics, uh, games and programming, uh, which kind of led me to, because for the longest time, and I mean for the really longest time, there was just me making games. I was sharing games uh, with people and uh, talking to people and everything, but I was kind of the only one making games and making games for myself. And that kind of led me to be uh, something of a generalist. So that's why uh, when you look at combustion, like everything uh, outside of music has some of my influence uh, in it. Like for, for the longest time, as I said, it was just me on the project making the the art, the animation, the design, the programming, the sound, everything, basically. Uh, the only thing I've sworn off is uh, mu music, be just because I don't think I have a natural affinity to make music. I really like music, I'm a huge fan of it. Uh, but as uh, some of the music people uh, that I worked with can probably attest, it's like <laughs> my term, it's gotten better over the years, but my terminology of like improving a track or something is very esoteric in uh, how I describe describe things. <laughs> it's, it's like, uh, it's like, uh, yeah. So, so it sounds like your, your way of giving some constructive criticism for music is you want it to pop a little more or something, something uh, very nondescript like that. <laughs> Yeah, and, and you, you know, the reason why I say this is because I have uh, worked with, uh, you know, clients, uh, different good clients, bad clients, uh, everything in uh, both visual 
little bit of QA programming and like I've heard, I've gotten like bad terms, like, you know, making something pop out or something visually. And I sort of know that when I say something to that effect to somebody who's making, uh, making music that I know how much of an idiot that I sound like. <laughs> so, so, I, and so what it, I generally do is I, okay, instead of saying some, making something pop, I like, Try and find the right word in the dictionary, but it's uh, it has nothing to do with uh, rhythm or beats or melodies or something. It's just finding a very descriptive adjective. It's very emotional language, very prose-filled way of describing music when I talk to people. So, so as someone that has had experience. Um, working in that kind of field. I have, you know, I've mentioned this before. I, uh, I'm i a programmer, uh, but I also have a, a, a nice expensive piece of paper that says I have some credibility as a designer. Um, so as someone from that background as well, I thank you for your attempts to not just say it needs to pop better um, <laughs> because, well, you, you already know what that's like. It's, um, it's yeah. not fun. So... Fred, along the lines of, you know, how you got into this um, and from your experiences, is there any words of wisdom that you could share from everything that you yourself have learned? Yeah. No, uh, yeah, uh, I think um, advice, uh, advice and wisdom. Uh, I think I've definitely fallen into to most ditches uh, from an early age. Uh, I think the sort of wisdoms I have uh, definitely are more applicable to to those rather than the sort of advanced stage uh, game developers. I think um, from the outset, I think the best advice I have is the keep uh, the kiss methodology of keeping it simple, uh, stupid, uh, because over ambition uh, has definitely been a trait of mine early on. Like. I'm very glad of what I can be able to do with combustion now, but the thing is, those sort of ideas have so always been there uh, since the start of my journey, and definitely was not that that stage. And you know, it's very exciting to get into into game development, but at some point, it's like, okay, before you can make the next Skyrim, are you able to, you know, make a main menu? Are you able to, like, I've seen a lot of things where people are. I've been so excited to like make their game, show their game, and everything. And it's like, okay, is there? A, how do I quit the game? Oh, there's no quit button. Oh, okay. Uh, and with that is the, especially early on, is the, the mantra to fail faster. I think we're definitely all uh, too averse uh, to failing. Uh, I definitely feel we should be more open to you know having blunders especially as you're learning i think that's the the greatest giveaway you can have from projects because inevitably if you do enough game it's a miracle really that games get made because so many things can go wrong and especially if you the aspect of failing faster is because when especially when you're learning uh, game development especially as a programmer you'll you'll inevitably get to those points where you realize okay the the foundational elements of my code won't actually work or uh, it's just a lot of uh, late stage problems and you'll sit there with the knowledge of oh had i only known i could have done things different but that's like 
but that's part of the journey. That's also a good thing. And next time you will do better. So don't be discouraged. And also part of this, something I always wish I did more of is uh, show things as early as possible. Because uh, if you're anything like me, a little bit more on the introverted side, you're sort of like a big fan of you know keeping it to, to yourself until it's done. But the, the truth about game development, as of all art, it's you know it's never done. It's just abandoned. That's what they say about all art. And it's also in those early stages where you can correct things. That's also when you can fix the foundational elements, which I mentioned just earlier. Because yeah, feedback is worth its weight in in gold. I'm very grateful where I work uh, right now that we actually have uh, actually working with QA people. They're very nice people, uh, and already they're like saving us for so many problems uh, in the possible problems in the, in the future. Uh, I, that's why developing now on combustion feels kind of like a relief just with the people I work with because I can kind of imagine how things would be without that sort of uh, help. Uh, and failing to, you know, uh, having a, a dedicated team or people to work with, there's definitely a good thing in this day and age is that it's never been easier to find an environment like, you know, Twitter, Reddit, Discord, all of those places where you can, you know, either do anything from, you know, talk to people, get uh, get to know who's who, learn, learn things, share things, get feedback from them, meet people to potentially work with. That's never been easier. So that's a, that's more of a thing that I really just wish existed more uh, when I was uh, younger. Uh, this is more of a practical one, but it's to have uh, it have a iterating iterative uh, workflow. Have something that you can you know always change, always improve on, because uh, some earlier project it's uh, things were designed in a way that you couldn't easily go back and change things. And that sort of becomes a com compounding trouble if you're you're like having a character base, and you, then you have making more characters, and then you realize you need to make a change across all characters in the game, and you're you have like maybe thirty characters, and you can't actually go back and change things. <laughs> so, and uh, I think the final one is uh, reflect, reflect a lot. Uh, maybe not uh, too much, but reflect on uh, just the aspect of if you have made something, even if it was never finished, and if it's just a concept, you can always reflect and get something out of that and improve on the next project. And you can always really be proud of that because unfortunately, I've also you know met people who were interested in game development uh, had some bad situations and got really turned off uh, game development for various reasons and you know sometimes it's just different priorities they tried and it wasn't their cup of tea but it's um, I think people should really be more open to be proud of what they made and more accepting of what we call failures uh, 
which are which is such a loaded term what it really just means it was not everything that it could be in the in the end but just the fact that all the different aspects that comes into to making a game as i said it's really remarkable that games get made at all because there's so much that can go wrong and so just getting some of that i think is enough to be proud of you know, I I completely agree. Like there is, you know, the more I've ta- spoken with uh, multiple people for for you know everyone that I've been doing this with, um, you know, it's always interesting to hear more about the more about the areas you don't know about, like you don't you you otherwise wouldn't give that kind of attention to, or just not acknowledge for whatever reason, because um, you know a lot of stuff. Um, like a lot of things can be front and center, uh, like for example, like a character design, you know, the, the model that you're playing, that can be front and center and you, you acknowledge that that's a thing, but you know, in bigger studios, you know, people probably aren't aware or might not be aware that there could be someone behind the scenes that has spent, you know, hours, days, weeks, what have you designing just the, um, designing like that character on on paper like a 2d version of the concept work for for that character for for their weapons for the uh, scenery or what have you and you know there's just so much stuff that you're always unaware of um but other than that you know i think or outside of that i should say so other than that not to be, make it sound dismissive um but outside of that yeah i, I think all of that's great advice especially um especially the the kiss method keep it simple stupid i um i've always been a fan of it and um more often than not in in like my day-to-day my my normal programming um there's times where i try and overcomplicate things and i especially if i'm trying to retrofit something um if i overcomplicate things it just comes back and and you know it bites me and i end up having to like uh, restart or find my way out of the corner I just painted myself into. So I think it's really, I think that's really good advice. You know, the be not to be afraid of failing, um, to be re- like uh, willing to iterate on your on the things that you put out there. Uh, but most important, like I said, the you know just try and keep it simple. Like you know, don't you know you can what what starts as hard for you, you keep it as simple as possible. And then as you get better, as you fail and learn and grow, the things that once would have been hard that you had to keep it really simple for will will just evolve with your abilities, will evolve with it. And then the next thing you're trying to learn and that you'll inevitably fail at, you'll be trying to do it simpler because the simpler it is that you break it down into, you know, the the more... Uh, likely you are to have some form of success. Like if you're making a character walk across the screen, um, Mm -hmm. making them walk or or making the character move, whether or not there's animations, you know, making them move across the screen at first will, will could be hard, but then by the time you're done, you know, the next step of failure of making them move will be animating or speed and all of that. So like, I, I, I really like the keep it simple, stupid method um, approach for things. And I think that's incredibly good advice. So thank you for that. Thank you. Now, Fred, I am curious. 
Um, because there's another question I do want to get to, but I want to ask that in a after this one, just because this might lead into it better. Uh, okay. But was there a game? Because you mentioned, you know, that you're you're, uh, I believe you said 33, um, born in 90. Yeah, that'd be 33, born in 91. Um, you know, what you started with, older systems. Um, uh, so I'm curious if there was a game for you that made you want to make games, like whether or not that was your favorite game or just a different game that made you go, oh, wow, this is the game that inspired you to get into it and i know you mentioned you know discovering new grounds um and you know the ability with flash and discovering or or uh, finding you know your 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 enjoyment in point clicks and and all of that so i don't know if this is all going to kind of like wrap right back into that or if there was a different game that made you want to get into it whether it was your favorite game or not and what about that game was it that made you enjoy it so much that you went oh this is what i want to do yeah, uh, I think definitely uh, the thing about Newgrounds made me realize like that people could make games, but the game that probably made me really want to, you know, I think most of us have like, uh, call it the game that realizes, makes you realize a bit what the game actually is. You know, when you're really young, you might not understand like, you have no, you have no real idea that okay, how a game is made. Like when you're really young and you read like credits at the end of the game, and like, well, well what's all this? I don't, I don't know. Uh, but the, uh, sometimes some game you sort of realize, okay, this is actually, you know, these are graphics. These are like textures on top of three D polygons or something. You might not understand quite all the words, but you kind of understand. Uh, what that is because you sort of uh, I remember like sitting and I'll get to the game which is uh, maybe predictable but it's uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time and like really just understanding like the way the characters moved and I sort of related that to very articulated uh, action figures that they have you know the, the joints with the springs and and everything and sort of understanding that i think made me really aware of games but of course what really the initial thing that made me fall in love with it was was that whole uh world aspect i think i'm very much i, I like uh, games that are i can like very many different games same like i can like different types of music different movies and everything but if i'm like picking favorites it's definitely experiences that you know brings you into another world or situation and for me uh you know uh, ocarina of time was uh, definitely that and it's uh, for the time uh maybe not holds up as well right now but it was really unprecedented in terms of you know just sheer immersion into said world like if you play that game now, some of these things might seem obvious, but just the amount of, say, ambient noise and mood, and uh, fun characters and everything that that games have was, again, sort of things we we hadn't seen before, and it also just comes at the came at the right time for me because you know it's uh, the the main story features a little boy out on an adventure and there's like a sort of 
uh, going into the future, sort of like a coming of age story in in Zelda form, uh, and just the countless hours uh, played in that game, in particular, I think, really brought me into into wanting to do to do games because of like the I started thinking like okay if I could make a game which at the time seemed like something that's not going to happen but like being a child and imagining things uh, started thinking of uh, not just what would make a cool Zelda game but like other sort of concepts concepts as like since those days the the idea butter in my brain has been churning and at this point churning on uh, combustion but it's always been churning on projects uh, so and that's really the culprit that uh, started started that for me i think and you know it's still a sort of a genre that's uh, that's uh, stayed stayed with me and you know, slight uh, side anecdote, which sort of ties this all together, is uh, on your recommendation uh, this week. I actually got to play a little bit on the little Gator game, and uh, the opening of that game. You know, little little uh, character who's like waiting on something that's very analogous to to Zelda. Very excited for that. It's like, okay, this this it's it's close. This it's close. <laughs> so. A few things to, to, to bounce off of that. Um, the first being, you know, I can definitely understand the magic of Ocarina of Time. Um, that for me was, that was like for, for me, I think it was kind of similar to you. Uh, the first time I tried it, I was actually at like um, a game store, a, a toy store, Toys R Us, and they had a demo of it. And it was the, uh, the, the atmosphere that everything about it made me go oh wow this is something that can exist um you know at the time i'd had a nintendo 64 i'd played some other games um but ocarina of time just absolutely blew me away in what it was delivering in those like brief five minutes that i just tried it so you know i can under i definitely understand where you're coming from with ocarina of time as well as um i'm happy that you seem to have enjoyed little gator game i uh you know that that's that's was my game of the year last year for a lot of reasons and you know uh the biggest one of the biggest ones is just the um the 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 it reminding me so much of that first time i like played zelda um mm -hmm. ocarina of time sorry like getting to to revisit that and just all that so um yeah i'm i'm glad you enjoyed it i definitely um you know it's it's yeah yeah um but sorry um but yeah no it, I, it's it's yeah like i i understand exactly how how zelda could have inspired that um so you know i'm i'm happy to hear that because i i'm always happy to hear that a similar uh experience or a similar what have you uh is like is is from like close to mind it's it's a nice thing to be able to share and know that you're not the only one that was amazed or blown away. Um, as silly as that is to say, because I'm sure a lot of people, um, well, I'm not sure, I know a lot of people have said it, but it's just one of those things where quantifying it with words um, and those being like the same kind of words or uh, similar thoughts 
to it are are nice it, like you know because it lets it lets you and other people know that oh this is like these exact things are what did it and then you know other people might be able to pop off with oh hey that's the same thing that i never thought to put into words myself and then you know yeah. getting to enjoy their that nostalgia surrounding it and everything right i think it definitely something like little get game ex exists from the the shared experiences that people have and it's like I definitely have, you know, more obscure, maybe more interesting choices of yeah, games that were, you know, influential on me. But like the the things that really set foundation uh, was so creative of time. And I distinctly remember because I actually had, uh, or I think actually my brother had a link to, to the past of a Super Nintendo. And I remember like being so hyped for uh, Ocarina of Time back in the day. And there were even like even back in the day little little fascinations with the uh, with the ambience like i i remember you know the link to the past has like a uh, sort of an echo system for when you're inside, inside caves and everything and uh, a sort of system with a lantern and i thought that was like the coolest coolest thing that there was like a little bit of echo inside a, a room and or darkness i was like that to me, it was really immerse, immersive, and when you look at all the different things, the the innovations of Ocarina and the ambiences it set, it was, uh, yeah, it was uh, truly something uh, special for me at the time. It came came at probably like the the exact uh, exact uh, right formative time in my in my life. And you know that's that's a great to hear, and like you know a similar thing for me, I'd say you know. Um, and uh, probably a lot of other people around our age group. Now, Fred, I'm going to ask this, and I, I think I already know the answer, but I want to kind of explore or see if there's anything there to explore. So what is it that makes gaming enjoyable to you, and why is it world immersion? <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's that's by far, uh, call it the more interesting thing, most the thing that I like the most in games. I don't want people to... It's that sort of thing. You you say that, and people think you have little to no appreciation of, say, pure mechanical games, uh, which I definitely do have. Like one of my favorite genres are uh, strategy games, and those you know can be very, very abstracted. You're most of the time you're actually like several miles above in the sky, watching down on the the action that's happening. If though some of them you know still have uh, ambience and everything to them, but. Yeah, what's uh, I think that's really been uh, the big thing because the the core difference that makes video games unique from all other mediums is, as I said earlier, games are an interactive audiovisual medium, meaning that in in that you kind of have all the elements that are required to describe something as music, as film, as literature. You have all these things of what a game can be, but then you also have the interactive element. And that's really well why you can actually enter these sort of worlds that you, you read about in fiction or see in movies or listen to in, I don't know, rock operas or <laughs> whatever. Uh, and that's always been a big thing for me. And like the learning about these uh, worlds or just immersing myself in worlds that's 
really been something uh, what I've been all about. It only comes as no surprise that I've you know been something of a daydreamer in my youth and really using that sort of energy into into game development and you you know that's also been like one of the interesting things about say combustion because um there's like big things and small things to a story and a world i think um and like the big strokes are of course what's important you know the themes what happens in the story the the, the structure uh, everything like the the meaningful strokes and everything but what, what's been interesting for me with combustion is uh, there's also high degree of detail that i find enjoyable like going back to you know how the game has uh, anthropomorphic characters uh like i have five separate uh, designs for different different 3d models that exist for the game for different toilets just because you know they <laughs> and, and animals are different some have tails some don't uh, you know they're different sizes and everything so there's yeah there's actually five different toilets in the game as just a minor minor detail and you know I, I really like those touches because in a lot of games it's it's not necessarily something you would miss in in the game if it you know wasn't there but when something exists there uh big or small and talking about the smaller details here uh, i think you really appreciate them and uh, this is maybe going on a small tangent but it's like an example i sometimes go to i two examples is like going back to the early age of 3d like everybody who's played mario 64 has an experience where they sort of tested things like there's the mission where you have to pick up a penguin and bring it to its uh, penguin mother and but you can also you think hang on i can pick the ping baby penguin up and there's like a cliff over there can i can i drop <laughs> the penguin off the cliff and and yes you can and like everybody's done that and it's like that's a beautiful example of a shared experience but like a, a <laughs> an, an immersion one is and this is quite a triple a game uh, and i like this game a lot uh, for some specific reasons it's la noir uh, and it's kind of an interesting game because the game does have uh, gunplay which adheres to AAA games of the era, third-person shooters, has like satisfying controls and sounds and everything. It's fairly fairly box standard, but it's like there's a lot of effort that's clearly gone into this. Nobody I've ever met has like talked about LNOR has ever talked about the action gunplay of the game but what they have mentioned is that there's a system where somebody can punch or shoot off the hat of the main character and if we go to the hat after a gun or fist fight the character will like pick up their hat and put it on top of their head it's like that that to me is so interesting that the the, the, the sheer novelty of this sort of natural interaction from this character is more interesting to most people than the standard of the generation shooting that probably took way 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 definitely took longer than making a character pick up and place a hat back on their back on their head just a sort of interesting example of how these little interactions little novelties little details how far those can go to to immerse you in in the world or character 
when it feels natural or lived in or, or it doesn't have to feel that just it's just interesting uh i think is really good it's like one of my favorite uh, fantasy things uh, of later years uh was like uh uh, the, the the dark crystal uh netflix series which is you know incredibly when you look at it from the outside you have like definitions of high fantasy and uh, low fantasy you have like low fantasy which is something like uh, game of thrones you know it's a, it's all humans there's maybe some magic maybe something going on but overall it's like it adheres to the to the laws of physics and you know it's quite relatable and understandable then you have something uh, that goes, you know, to the total opposite extremes, where it's all elves and magic and uh, gods and dragons and everything. And those can also be very interesting. What I really like about Dark Crystal or, say, the movie Labyrinth, you know, that, that sort of dark fantasy, Jim Henson stuff, is that it's very high fantasy, but it's still very detailed and creative. It, it creates an air of believability, even though it's uh, very out there in terms of fantasy. And that's something I hope to do with my my own game because you know it is a very strange game. It's like a it's a setting wise. It's like a it's set in the nineties. There's like a that the setting is like a, an oil rig city in the middle of the North Atlantic Ocean and uh everybody is an animal character it's like uh, but uh I'm, I'm definitely sure there are, have definitely been stranger ideas than that but my idea is like okay if that's the premise how do you make that interesting how do you make that believable how do you sort of realize that vision how do you make that feel lived in and uh i think I think so far, <laughs> I'd like to think I'm doing a good good job about that. I think I have sort of the tone I want down. It's dark, it's gloomy, but it still feels sort of lived in. It's like Norun, which is like the name of the, the oil rig city, which the game takes place in. The My idea of it has always been, okay, it's very dark, it's very, very industrial. There are still good things going on, but there's also, it's it also seems like the Kind of place where you could also like you know go grab a pizza without dying it's it, it's like it still is a place where you could feasibly uh, live and exist it just wouldn't you know probably be ideal but it's uh, it has those uh, qualities to it that makes it feel feel lived in and i think people now go to star wars a lot these uh, days that's like a go-to example in terms of narratives and everything but i think one thing that really set um star wars apart like we're talking about like the original uh star wars back in the back in the 70s is that it had that sort of degree of believability that's why like the the cantina scene for instance in the original star wars feels so genuine whereas you know most sci-fis at the time uh felt very definitely more out there just in how characters were written or sci-fi themes or whatever and star wars does that without being hard sci-fi uh which i find kind of interesting because it is pure fantasy still 
just feels very lived in. So, you know, yes, thank you for, for exp you know, thank you for going into all of that. That was maybe know. a little my, bit of a rant, but... <laughs> I didn't, I was trying to think of the best, like, thing to say, to pinpoint, but there was a lot said, so I apologize. There isn't one thing I can exactly um, go go to. Um, but, you know, I I understand what you were saying, and, like, the, you know, it's, I think in some ways, immersion can be hard to um to nail down like you know to, to touch on you know to kind of bounce around from it i guess um you know like in some ways immersion can be as um straightforward or simple as just thinking how would this cave actually interact in the real world like in real life and as simple as just adding some echo or or what have you right in like zelda um for la noir you know the immersion aspect of uh, you know, gunplay can be, you know, tight, accurate gunplay can be really immersive. And there's um, a game, I think it was called Receiver. Um, oh, yeah, I know about that one. Um, and there was another one. But that one is a very immersive game in terms of gunplay. And for anyone that's not aware of Receiver, um, it's it's like vr without vr in terms of using the gun you have a button to um like let's say it's a revolver you have a button to pop the cylinder out you have a button to flip it you have a button to clear the cylinder cartridges um like just everything is has a real world analogy in terms in buttons um if it were a vr game instead you know you'd you'd actively manipulate the gun um as something like um uh, hot dogs, hand grenades, and handguns, or or the H three. I, I apologize for for not remembering the appropriate title sequence or what have you. But like you know, receivers kind of like that in sense of immersion of of like that. And then you know, bring up La Noire. How you know, well, people might not see or uh, or or appreciate the tight gameplay of the the um of the gunplay, uh, but focus more on the immersion of your character really just liking their hat and going and like grabbing it and putting it on and and you know um just putting their hat back on when it gets knocked off which um was for me i like i haven't played la noir but you mentioning that made me remember that that was also a mechanic that was very much present in the red dead games or at least red oh, dead yeah. 2 and you know the amount of times my hat got knocked off and it would put it back on, um, you know, just the, 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 the subtleness of some of the things that make an immersive game versus just a game. Like you said, um, the attempt to make the world feel lived in, um, like actually lived in, um, you know, give you things that would make you go, oh yeah, I can, I can get a pizza here. Um, uh, which, which is amusing just to think of how, um, the statement of "Oh, I can get a pizza here on a uh, effectively an oil platform <laughs> in the Atlantic Ocean" um, yeah. is is kind of absurd to think that that would be a um, a priority in terms of setting up your your world immersion, setting up everything to feel feel nice. Um, not to dismiss it, that's that's fantastic. It's just the absurdity of thinking or having like written down on a piece of paper or like what have you has to feel like a pizza can be gotten here 
Um, I just think that's fantastic. Just the the mindset of trying to make an immersive experience and having those details um, actually exist because, you know, a lot of, and I'm not saying this in a negative way, but a lot of, you know, game stuff that, you know, immersive, a little immersive, you know, tidbits like that are easy to overlook just because, you know, it might not be something you think of because you're focused on all, you're focused on everything else. And these other little brush strokes can easily just get lost. And, you know, I just think that's fantastic that your experience with liking uh, and enjoying immersive games and experiences has led to you also wanting to inject uh, similar kind of immersive things into your own game. I just think that's fantastic. Yeah, no, and I think a lot of ideas, creative ideas in general, is like, uh, what if this but this? Like I mentioned Star Wars, it's like, okay, what if uh, World War II uh, medieval knights slash samurais and wizards but in space? And you know, something like the, the Norun city in Combustion is like, okay, you have oil rigs in the middle of the ocean and there's their structures, their building. Okay, what if we take that uh, the next step and you have a sort of uh, society based around that and have a lot of oil rigs and sort of superstructures in the middle of the ocean and then you sort of, okay, uh, they exist like this, they export uh, the oil, but it's like, okay, how do they live? And it's like, okay, you get enough population going, there's not just, you know, pure rig workers, there's maybe like, you know, scientists, engineers, and and then you get sort of people who worry about the people, you get medical people, you get, and then like one day, okay, there's suddenly HR people, and then, okay, now we have enough people working <laughs> here that, okay, now we need entertainment, who's the entertainment, we need food providers, and like, okay, that's how in the setting you have like this little, you have rigs in the city of Nurun that, you know, uh facility of oil rigging facilities and then you have there's like a decommissioned oil rig in uh, the world of combustion that is has been turned into an amusement park the, the oil well where it was ran dry and it's like okay what do we do with this okay there lives like over a million people in the city people are like coming here to visit this sort of strange superstructure city of rigs so okay we make an amusement park and it's like there's a science institute, there's like shopping districts, there's like everything because, you know, a population grows. And even though it's purely a sort of the only thing it sort of outputs is uh, oil and maybe some technologies and all it imports, it needs to import all its food and everything. But it's still, you know, how would that sort of uh, world work? And that's like the questions I've been uh, asking myself. And it's like big things, big and small, like there's there there's uh, I'll, I'll put it this way there's if you look up the term combustion and like the uh what an engine is and uh, you know the game has like the diesel punk aesthetic there's a reason why the game is called uh combustion and everything uh but just trying to figure out all these elements and how they tie together to where it's uh, believable has been like a very very big joy uh, for me, and that's from the the, the big strokes of the game uh, down to you know what toilets people use based on what kind <laughs> of animals they are based on. So, Fred, one thing before I move on, because I do want to ask you another question uh, before I, before I let you go. But I just want to note um, it's it's amusing to me that you also mentioned HR. You know that they'll need HR there because of course they would need HR there. But oh, yeah. it's just the, again, the 
Um, I appreciate the, and it, to me, it's the absurdity of having like written down on a footnote, oh, they're going to need HR or something like that. So <laughs> not, again, not to be dismissive. Oh. I, just, I, I really appreciate the, the thought process into all of the stuff that you put into it. Um, and it was just the, you know, pizza and HR, little footnotes. They need pizza. They need HR. You know, so um, yeah, yeah, thank yeah. you, thank you for the the thought process into that. I, you know, I I very much appreciate the the attention to that. Thank you. <laughs> so, so Fred, as I as I said, I did want to ask you another question before I let you get on with your evening, because you know, as you said, you're in Oslo. That's a like a seven hour difference, I think it was. Um, so obviously, I don't want to take too much more of your evening, let you relax and all of that. Uh, however, I did want to ask you. Um, outside of outside of making games, you know, what do you do? What do you do to relax? And I imagine, you know, a lot of people making games is, or sorry, playing games is what they do. And, you know, playing games is definitely a valid answer here. But I'm also wondering, you know, if there's, if there's outside of games, what do you do? What do you relax with? What do you enjoy? That's a, a great question. Uh, you know, the, the interesting uh, thing is... Um, no, until recently, I've kind of uh, had uh, two jobs, which left limited time. Like there was a sort of a day job, and then after that, uh, this sort of game development thing. So, like you know, back in the day, there would be like mostly talking about that. Uh, that said, uh, uh, two two answers to that. I have a nice close uh, circle of friends. Uh, who delve into outside of, of course, you know, socializing and fun things like that. There, there is a lot of uh, things like uh, board games. I'm such a huge nerd that I actually do attend weekly uh, pen and paper role playing sessions. Uh, <laughs> with that, uh, with more time now, there is also an escalation or rather an introduction because I uh, didn't do that much before of some degree of uh, exercise. Uh, hopefully getting it more into bicycling and everything. But um, also just outside of game development, like I mentioned with uh, the whole generalist thing, sometimes I just do the different aspects of uh, what could be in the game, you know, in, in isolation, like drawing, uh, 3D modeling, animating, all of those things that might ne not necessarily tie in with a game or game development. And I think that's kind of uh, healthy because uh, at some points, uh, like a real danger that every game developer has to deal with at some point or another is like the potential of burnout, uh, as we call it, which is, you know, you get uh, you get sick to your teeth of the project you're working on, or you're generally demotivated uh, on it and everything. And I think a real good answer to that is uh, basically rediscovering uh, the aspects of what you brought, brought it to it in the beginning and, you know, doing a little bit of everything. I'm, I feel very fortunate because I never feel trapped with what I'm uh, doing. It's a real... For me, I'm not saying this works for everybody because I, I actually very much appreciate those with an ironclad, like laser focused more on uh, one or two or three aspects that they're working on. But I feel really fortunate in that where if they're, if they're generally, genuinely, if there is a time where I'm really not feeling 3D modeling 
for instance, strange example maybe, but then it's like, okay, then it's really no problem for me to do literally anything else. Uh, and, you know, definitely things even out outside the, the project. Like I'm always like doing something little, little strange something, either if it's illustration or trying to make a little comic of my own or art piece or whatever. Uh, once I got into claymation, that was kind of fun. Uh, always wanted to go. <laughs> actually want to actually want to do that's actually something I might pick up like uh, uh, one one day I think I have something in me, a game idea or something that is uh, stop motion inspired. And if that's clay or craft or something like that, because I'm, I'm very I'm, I'm big into films as well. But I'm in particular very much into animated works, and I really, I really just scour the the most obscure things I can find sometimes uh, on different sites of different animations from the world. You know, some stuff that maybe not even has been localized. That's always a problem. But of different animated uh, animated works and. I think uh, part of me really has a desire to make something uh, craft related like that one day. And you know, I I think that's really interesting. Like the 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 the, the already experimenting with like claymation, having that kind of dedication. Um, you know, because anyone that's aware of how much time and effort and work needs to go into. Uh, claymation or anything stop motion is you know uh, you know it's just it's wild the amount like everything you'd have to do so I you know I think that's really uh, interesting and I hope whenever you do have the time that you know it's something you can maybe make work and you know mix into a game and I think it's also really interesting that your one of your methods to kind of counter burnout is to do things that are um maybe not 100% to fulfill a project, but still in the realm of things related to, uh, because that's, you know, that's a good way to not feel, in my opinion, sorry, I should say, I shouldn't say it definitively, but in my opinion, it sounds like that's a good way to have um, the ability to still like explore things that might be of interest to incorporate later or just explore uh, for the future in general, but mm -hmm. still be like, but still not be on the clock, so to say, if that makes any sense. Well, it makes uh, perfect sense. And it's like on my desk here uh, somewhere, uh, like I made, made like a clay interpretation of the Nintendo character Yoshi. And uh, it's just, it's just the head because that's the kind of the time I had at the time. It was going to be like a, full uh full body thing using uh, you know the sort of uh, chicken wire method they do for rig basically rigging a full character and i haven't I haven't gotten to that and it's been you know ages but i'm still very glad that i did that and i might do that again and you know it's fulfilling two of the two of the wisdoms i had in terms of uh uh, call it failing faster, just in terms of okay, it, it took away longer than expected, but it still produced 
something and um, but I'm also keeping it iterative because you know nothing's stopping me from just get making the rest of it someday and I probably probably am or maybe I just start all over with a new play thing but now I know how much time it's going to take because you're definitely correct that it there is a lot of time that takes to make claymation and uh, I have made some animations with uh, in the past that's going way back now but yeah it's very interesting I just wish I had the the time and you know being iterative about it I will find the time because uh, that's another. That's maybe the, like the final wisdom I maybe have in terms of uh, don't. Uh, a thing that I tended to do sometimes was what do you call it like um, working for the weekend or not necessarily the perfect <laughs> analogy, but basically it's that thing where you think to yourself, okay, once X happens, then I will have the time to do Y. And in my experience, it's better to uh, do a little bit here and there than set up time for, because I think, uh, I don't remember where I read it precisely, but there's a real tendency of, if you're waiting for the weekend to do your creative projects or you're waiting for the vacation to do your projects, that's not necessarily the best time to to allot that time because that that's your designated rest period. And just like it takes a lot to, flick that switch and just immediately you know saturday morning or saturday evening to just now i'm gonna sit down and work on my creative project it's very hard if you're not like used to to doing that uh, all the time and i think that's something uh i really am glad i've gotten better at uh, over time because it's very it can be very hard to find that time, but I think it's much better to do it small, small and iterations and, you know, having fun doing little experimentations like this than it is to set up these big bulks. Because uh, to me, that sort of has the same energy. Uh, and, I'm, and I am speaking for myself here, but it is that sort of uh, New Year's resolution wantonness of, okay, when I have the time, uh, or th when this thing happens, that's when I'm gonna radically change and do all the things I have planned. But it's it's very hard to just flick that switch. I think. You know, yeah, I I'm, like I understand completely what you're saying, and you know the uh, the 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 avoidance, I would say, or not avoidance, the the um, advice not to set or like be like saturday morning from from like 10 to noon i'm going to work on this personal project or what have you like uh if you set a designated time you know then you're going to have pressure to work on it in that designated time yes. you're yes. going to have like at that point it's like it's another job but it's you know it's it's it's, it's basically you're just making another job for yourself and i understand what you're saying because like the having a little bit of uh having it not be static, you know, allowing yourself to work on it here, allowing yourself to work on it there. Um, it's far less stressful. And I, I can say that from my own experience as well, like with, with preparing the podcast to edit it, to, to, you know, to reach out to developers like yourself or what have you, the, um, you know, if I, I have like a, a routine or I have like a time 
in my head where it's like, oh, this week I, I need, like, the goal is to get, like, an episode edited and uploaded and all of that. But early on, I tried, you know, being like, from this hour to this hour, it's going to be dedicated to this. And then if you don't, for whatever reason, if, like, it's, um, like, if an episode, the audio is weird and I have to... Uh, I have to spend more time tweaking it and I don't get enough time to actually do a full listen and make sure everything's good or whatever, whatever, whatever. The, the, um, the, the fact that I said from like five to seven, I'm going to work on this. If I don't finish it between five and seven, then that weighs on me. It creates its own separate stress. And yeah. like, you know, so I, just to basically add on or, or, um, you know, tag along with what you were saying, you know, allowing yourself the freedom to be a little more um, loose and dynamic in terms of time slots with your own personal projects, it, it helps a lot, you know, from, from what it sounds like from your own experience, from my own experience, I imagine many others as well, but just not feeling like you are creating a job for yourself to do something that you should be enjoying, that should be inspiring happiness, inspiring um, fun, you know, uh, not not putting it in a box that is going to make it not fun is a great piece of advice, right? Like don't 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 take the thing you enjoy doing and make it not fun anymore, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you hit the hit the nail on the head, and it's it's a very natural, it's a supernatural uh, compulsion, like because you know a lot of the times we feel we don't have the time, and you know, okay. Your brain immediately goes, okay, when is the next available, you know, full slot of time? It's okay, it's the weekend or it's during vacation or it's during this time slot during the day. And it's like uh, putting that pressure because is very hard and it, it makes one thing in particular very hard. And that's that's starting. That sometimes can be the, the hardest thing in a session is actually just starting because in my experience... That's actually why I have post-its uh, here in my room. they exclusively dedicated to low-threshold, easy tasks, which I just call starters because that makes, that's an easy way to just start the day, make a texture or make something small or something silly or whatever. Immediately, it just puts the, the pressure off because uh, thinking of, projects or things that you got to do a lot of the time is a lot overwhelming than a small post-it note because if I had like a if my mission statement for a day was essentially like make combustion or work on combustion it seems like insurmountable it seems way too way too huge even even like make uh, a full full drawing or illustration of something that's uh, can't be several hours of work that's very hard to motivate yourself but like sketch something or find reference okay and you know more more often than not in my experience once you get the sort of ball rolling because you're you're essentially sitting there solving problems it almost is like a puzzle game in this way because you're you're progressing you get to these little hurdles you get these solutions you experiment you're you're engrossed in what you're working with then you're actually in a good spot it's uh what some people maybe call a Zen, you know, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, ex exactly. I know exactly what you're saying. And, you know, uh, I, I think another way to put it, especially on the topic of games would be the flow, sli flow state, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. Now, Fred, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, now, Fred, I, you know, as I said before, you know, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, you know, you've been very gracious. You, you know, you, you've said you have, you have time and all that. Uh, so while I still acknowledge that and I don't want to sound dismissive of it, I do want to let you enjoy your evening. I do want to not take up all of your time. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to take up any more of your time than you've already graciously given to me. However, um, if there was anything else you wanted to discuss, if you wanted to talk more about some things about combustion that you want people to be aware of, uh, some other things that you're working on or doing, or just something you want more people to know of in general, uh, the floor is yours as well. Please let everyone know where they can find more information about you, which I'll also include in the episode description. Okay. No, th thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, no, I think a big uh, thank you to you. I think an encouragement I would do is uh, encourage other people to reach out to each other. Like uh, you reach out to me and I appreciate that. And I'll be sure to reach out to other similar people in the future because I think this was, uh, I think this was a lot of fun. Uh, and I really always have liked there are some podcasts and even some books and everything on game development, which I find have found really rewarding. So I think, uh, yeah, and uh, I'm excited to, to I'll be sure to post this uh, video around or podcast around uh, once it gets released. And yeah, as to, to where you can uh, find me, uh, I'm Little Norwegians or at L Norwegians at uh, Twitter. That's where mainly post. That's also where you will find a link to the combustion uh, discord, which I also hang out on a lot. And uh, you can also find uh, combustion on various sites uh, when you uh, Google it, like on Steam, just type combustion game and you'll find it. It'll also be on the 3D Realms uh, website. Well, awesome. Thank you. And I, I thank you, for, first and foremost, for your kindness. I really appreciate the kind words you had about the podcast. Uh, so thank you for that. And, you know, I definitely will be making sure that, um, you know, the store pages especially, um, but that, you know, the the links you gave me, that they'll be available for, for people to click. They'll be able for people to follow up on or what have you. Um, yeah, because, you know, the last thing I want is is for people not to find out about uh, more about you if they'd like, but especially more about the project that you are working on that, as I said before, um, I think is just absolute looks absolutely wild. It looks like it's going to be great because, again, um, the the era that it's hearkening back to, but also just my my weird fondness of um, anthropomorph the word I can't say the word I hate um, <laughs> animals in like human setups i like i said it's, it's probably all because of redwall but again i i look forward to it because of you know it looks like it's going to be absolutely wild I, I you know i've said that before and I'll, I'll keep saying it but again i you know i i wish it the best of luck and you know wish you and it and the team the best of luck with it is how i should be phrasing all of that not to not to put it all on the game but to say all of you know everyone working hard on it because you know it takes it takes a lot of people to make a game and you know, when it looks like it's going to be fun, when it looks like it's going to be fantastic, I, I absolutely hope and think everyone should um, should should get to enjoy their success uh, in 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 the process, uh, if that makes any weird rambling sense. <laughs> well, thank you. That makes 
much, very much sense to me. Wonderful. I'm, I'm glad it at least made sense to you, because I don't even know if it made sense to me at the end of it. All I rambled too much there. Uh, no, there's no effect. Uh, it totally makes sense. Thank you very much. Yeah, you are very welcome. Now, Fred, if there wasn't anything else, I will let you get on if you're evening. I will let you enjoy yourself, because like I said before, there's like a seven-hour difference. I I definitely don't want to be the reason you don't get time to de-stress after a day. <laughs> well, this, as I said, generally, this was a lot of fun. I haven't done much in the way of these uh, things. Uh, I hope I could provide uh, something to the, to the podcast, because, you know, if I think this stuff is great and i'm very grateful to actually have uh, had the chance to participate in something like this because yeah i i there's so much content out there that i enjoy that are you know ga games related and uh, being part of that with my own game now that's been been pure bliss well you know fred as i said you know i thank you for your kind words but also i thank you i thank you for your time and i hope that the you know, you said you haven't done many of these, and I hope that I am not the thing that ultimately turns you off of them. And, you know, I say that I say that to a lot of people, that I hope that my podcast isn't the thing that ruins podcasts for them. Uh, but, you know, uh, it from what you said, it doesn't sound like it will be, so I can rest assured with that. But, you know... I, I'm just I'm I'm grateful for your time for your for for your input for your for you know your your point of view just getting to discuss things with you it's um you know for me it's always nice just to talk about games with developers and you know what they like where they've where they've come from and everything so yes I just regardless um regardless of what uh the 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 statement of uh adding you know being able to add to it. Fred, I think ultimately just being here and discussing things is is more than enough, if that makes sense. And I apologize because that sounds in a weird way kind of dismissive of what you said, but that's farthest from what oh, I was yeah. trying to do. Not at all. I, I completely understand what you're, what you're saying. So, But as I said, Fred, if there wasn't anything else, I, anything else you wanted to discuss or add, I will definitely let you get on if you're evening. No, thank you very much. And you know, you know, where to reach me if there's uh, anything at all. I hope you have a good day. You, you as well. And thanks again to Fred for making time to have this conversation with me. And thank you for joining us on the Red Tunic podcast, as well as a special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for the use of music from the title track from Road Steep. And if you like this podcast and want to support it and help it grow, please subscribe or follow me on Twitter at Red Tunic Podcast to receive the latest episodes and news. And be sure to share it with those you think might also enjoy it. Thanks. Till next time.